talking to Alain, and welcome Alain. Um, today we're today's our book club episode, so we're gonna talk about whoop, the color whoop. purple. And if you haven't read the book and you want to kind of like flow along with us, then don't listen to this episode. Read the book and then come back to this episode. We are not trying to spoiler alert your whole life when it yeah. comes to this book. And if you if you don't care and you kind of want to hear about the book and all the cool and complicated and meaningful themes and find out who the final woman is for Black Women's History Month, then <gasps> keep listening. It is the final woman. It's the, I know. I, well, April's almost over. The unofficial Black History Women's Month, Black Women's History Month is almost over. It's so, so to say goodbye. You're not gonna do yesterday. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for <laughs> the beautiful. <laughs> so uh, before we get into that, we're gonna start with this weekend music. So, well, huh, it's been a rough week for music listeners. Prince passed. Oh my week. God! Yeah, that's true, and that was pretty emotional for a lot of people. Um, but then Beyonce was like, "Please don't cry, my little babies. Let me bless you with my new album." That's exactly what she did. That's, exactly. that's a good interpretation of events. And so she dropped Lemonade by surprise on Saturday. You know what? I'm happy though. I'm happy that she had scheduled that to drop before he passed because if. It was another surprise album like she did last time. Mm -hmm. People would have been like, yo, she's trying to steal Prince's Thunder. (laughs) So I'm glad she had that scheduled. So we all knew about it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And like when I first... Okay, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not like the biggest Beyonce fan. I know Mm -hmm. that seems really blasphemous. I love and respect her as like a human being, but I don't like. I'm not like super hardcore on her music or any music for that matter. I'm not like a big music listener, but I like talking about music. More so celebrities. <laughs> but, this, there's just all sorts of things that are wrong with what you just said. I know. I know. You know what? Never I'm not trying to judge another woman. Slowly, you live your life. I'm slowly trying to, you know, be into, like, music. But it's just, like, not in my spirit. That's cool. <laughs> that is cool. So, but I'm still, I'm very fascinated with the cultural appeal of Beyonce. Thus, that's why I love her. But this was different. Yeah, this was different. So, okay, I'm going to, like, Saturday night, not going to lie, I was drunk. And I kept hearing lemonade, lemonade, lemonade. I'm like, who are all these thirsty bitches? Why do they keep saying lemonade? What? And, like, I just, like, wake up Sunday morning. I'm like, what does lemonade mean? <laughs> and, then, like, and then I don't. What does it mean? I don't find out till later. Like, oh, Queen Bee has dropped her album. And... People are amazed. Queen Bee did more than drop an album. Yeah. She dropped a visual album. She yeah. changed the world. <laughs> There's before and after Beyonce's visual album. And this is what I love about Beyonce. She has like this impact on humanity. And there's so many people impacted by her music. And that and like that's like one of the reasons I'm so severely fascinated by her. But anyway. Love how in this album she gets real hard, emotional. She's making lemons out of lemonade, which is why I think it's called lemonade. Here's my theory. Because Yeah, the, I've seen it. Let me no, let me know okay. your theory. Well, because it's the album starts about like starts about like betrayal and infidelity and then ends on forgiveness and you make lemon out of lemonade. 
is that I didn't, wa- I didn't watch the visual album, so I don't know if that was like. Yeah, that's kind of it. That's kind of <laughs> it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you're so good though, because you know in the formation video mm-hmm. how they kind of go back to that very like gothic southern feel. Mm-hmm. So much of the video is that gothic southern feel. So much of it is like Afrocentric patterns, like kind of tied into that. Mm-hmm. And so it was very interesting because you have like Beyonce in this kind of like African looking garb, like walking on plantations. It's just very interesting. Um, some people didn't like it. <laughs> I liked it though. Yeah. Well, you know, hate us gonna hate. You gotta see it though. I will. I will see it. It's no longer on HBO Go, so I'm gonna have to get subscription to Title. Apparently, a free for ninety, 90 day, day free. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> get that ninety I day free. Um, and <clears throat> so, I, what I kind of, what I really want to talk about about this album is love that she got personal and is discussing like her life because, like, I know there were so many rumors about like them breaking up when they're on doing the on the run tour and so there was like rumors of like jay-z being unfaithful and for her to expose this to her friends was i was kind of like a gift like she's like letting us into her life and she's also telling us that like it's okay to forgive like Mm -hmm. someone that you love and care about that you have a family with that you've made a family with I think, like, so many people, so many women are judging her for not leaving him Mm -hmm. um, because he was, like, unfaithful. But it's, like, one, feminism. Women can choose what they want to do with their Thank you! It's about having the right to choose. And just because, like, like, I think people need, need to put less emphasis on sex because, one... People, like the second that you get married or the second you get booed up, that doesn't keep your eyes from looking at others. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean you're no longer <clears throat> going to be sexually attracted to other people. Mm-hmm. It just means that you are committing to this one person at this time. And I think that there should be maybe a less emphasis on like sex. I, I think emotional affairs are way more fucked up, but we'll talk about this on another show. I'm against both. Yeah. <laughs> I wish the would my partner would cheat. I would be like, you out. <laughs> well, I'm not married, so I don't know how I actually will react. But right now in my state, I'm like pretty cutthroat about it. But that's not the point. <laughs> the point is she made her decision. She said, I know this is something that happened. In spite of that, I have come to my conclusion that I'm going to stay with you. Some of her songs, she says, you do this again, though, and I'm out. (laughs) So there is an ultimatum. Yeah. But I think you had a really good point, Kat, earlier before we started this podcast when you said, ain't one person said something about Jay-Z? Who the hell focusing on? Well, yeah. So the supposed mistress, Rachel Roy, um, is getting attacked by the beehive, like stung every which way, <laughs> getting thrown, <laughs> throwing internet lemons at her and shit. And and no, no one's like, hey Jay Z, you're a fucking asshole. Mm-hmm. How could you do this to Queen B? Like, why why aren't people literally throwing lemons at Jay Z? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, you it hasn't even been confirmed that like Rachel Roy is like a rumor. 
a rumor that has like some supporting evidence, but like a rumor is a rumor. She is not like mm-hmm. Olivia Pope saying, "Oh, I'm having an affair with the president." Yeah, she is. Yeah, like, right. <laughs> she is a woman, and it's not confirmed if she has sexual relationship or any kind of relationship with Jay Z. But this is also the thing about the people attacking Rachel Roy. Yeah, is that many of them began to ta- begin to attack Rachel Ray. Yeah. <laughs> The Food Network star. <laughs> like, dang, I know that one letter is hard to see the right. difference, but it makes all the difference when you're trying to attack someone. Like, Rachel Ray sitting up at her house trying to figure out the next recipe, trying to figure out how to perfect sweet potato fries. And the next thing you know, her phone is blowing up. Right. Because of Rachel Roy and these Beyonce followers who, who didn't proof check. It's terrible. Isn't that like not the funniest thing that they would go after Rachel Ray? Yeah, because she's like, she's probably like, what's lemonade? What? Who? Like mad, (laughs) mad Beyonce stands are throwing away like Rachel Ray's cookware and like marking up her cookware and Sears or whatever. Like fuck Rachel Ray. (laughs) F you, Rachel Ray. But her cookware is real nice though. All her stuff's real nice. I would never F that up. I still, I forgave Paula Dean when she said to him. <laughs> so, you know, I would forgive Rachel Ray. You know, I would. Um, well, yeah, it's just like, and I, th- this happens like so much. Like, the biggest example in American, in modern American history, is how, like, when Bill Clinton. Yes. Who. Monica Lewinsky wasn't even the only affair he had, but her name is will forever be synonymous with the girl who like blew the president and she's like never going to really have her life back and like her face, her name, everyone's like was attacking her in the 90s. I feel like like, that should be a question to Hillary Clinton. (laughs) They should say a few years ago, a certain president had an affair and got a blowjob by a woman. The woman was criticized. The man was not at all. What do you think about this? How does this affect women? I like how you say a few years ago, as if it wasn't 16 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> <sighs> I think she'd be like, I'm, I'm aware that you're referring to my situation with my husband. <laughs> Why are you being so vague? <laughs> I'm not releasing any details. I'm just saying. But anyway, but your point is, yeah, moral of the story, leave, leave these women alone. It's like everyone acts like these women are coming in and like seducing them, like seducing these powerful men. And like, let's be real. They want, they want to get their dick wet. So stop blaming these women because they want to have sex with someone. These, they're, they're two people who want to have sex with each other. If someone is in a committed relationship with somebody else, then a single woman should be able to like run in and out well maybe not run. okay well okay this whole thing's gonna get messy moral of the story if you're like a single woman the bulk of the blame should not be on you it should be on the person who made a commitment yeah to somebody else i completely agree with that to remain faithful to like if the couple agree to be monogamous to have a monogamous relationship where they're only sleeping with that person mm-hmm. so all the onus is on 
Jay-Z and Bill Clinton and every other dude who, like, had to get his dick wet. Yeah, thank you. Rachel Roy is not the homewrecker. Yeah, Jay-Z is. Jay-Z is. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> if, if these mics were not expensive, I would drop them. <laughs> about that, let's talk about The Color Purple. The Color Purple. I just wrote that for you, Kat, because I know you love this book. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, a little bit about The Color Purple. So, our book club um, read it this year week or well we talked about it we didn't read it this week well some of us read it like the week i read ago. it this week <laughs> but and i'm a fast reader yeah you're you have substantial reading talent undeniable yeah it's really undeniable it's great <laughs> um and so the, one of the reasons that this is like my favorite book i read it when i was a kid oh not a kid okay i was like 21 so six years ago back in my day yeah <laughs> <laughs> And I just, I, it was like the most powerful book I've ever read. It brought this, it brought like my understanding of God and my connection to God to like this whole level to where like, to where I felt comfortable. So I I didn't, I stopped like practicing religion in college um, and felt kind of lost spiritually and I wanted some kind of spiritual guidance. And I read this when I was like, 21 and I was just like oh my god Alice Walker you just like saved my spirituality at the same time introducing me to womanism Mm -hmm. and so it's been like overall fantastic Alice Walker is like my G my sister and I don't know being a black woman in America so Mm -hmm. let's like let's get into the book Michelle what was like what's your favorite part of the book or what do you like about the book First of all, I want to say, the only thing I knew about this book before I started reading it was, you told Hot Boy to beat me. That's it. I swear to God. So I was reading for that. I was like, when's this part going to come up? (laughs) And when it came up so early, I was like, yo, I knew nothing about this book. (laughs) Now, what was your question now that I got that out the way? Um, like which part, what was your favorite part of the book? What was like the most impactful thing? <sighs> you might have to go first, Kat, on this one. <laughs> I, so I like, obviously like the, my favorite part of the book is, uh, the, also the name, the title where Celia and Sugar are walking through this field of flowers and like Sugar is like talking about this and this like beautiful interconnectedness of like just everything of all the birds and the flowers and the grass. Um, and it really like the book slowly starts to separate the idea of God as this white man chilling in the sky to God being in all of us and being and everything being interconnected and like guiding each other and helping each other. Um, and so since this was like my second time reading it, I missed a, like I missed so the everything leading up to this point. Like, I, I don't know how, uh, well, I guess I do. Like, first time reading, you miss, like, so much stuff. But uh, the second time going back through, there there was this very subtle transition into, like, bringing this idea, ideology of, like, interconnectedness on, like, the earth and that mm-hmm. being godliness. Mm-hmm. So now you have to tell me your favorite thing because I've already asked you three times. <laughs> mm, that's fair. 
I would say maybe I don't have a good explanation for why this is my favorite part. So maybe I'll be figuring this out as I say it. But I think my favorite part of the book is when Celie discovers that Mr. Blank has been hiding her sister's letters from her. And she had kind of assumed, I think, that her sister was dead. Mm -hmm. And discovering that her sister was alive and was writing to her and that Mr. Blank had hid it from her kind of was like the trigger from her for her just to be like, yo, this is the thing that threw me over the edge. It was something of, I think, I think what I like about it is that the love she felt for her sister. Oh, how can I explain this? It's just, it feels like such a big transition of like life and death to me. Like the death of her sister had her in such a negative space, Mm -hmm. kind of, kind of in a weakened, weakened state that even, even the, the knowledge that her sister was alive was enough to kind of like bring her life. Mm -hmm. And I think that is very interesting to me. I think I would have to kind of sit with that a little more to figure out why that would be my favorite part. But I, that's just my hunch. Yeah. As I, I'm, I'm listening, I'm also realizing that we didn't really talk about what the book is about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so let's, I'm going to do a quick synopsis and we're going to get back into this conversation. Um, so this book is about the main character. Her name is Celie and it's, and it talks about, um, a lot of the abuse that she endured physically and sexually from starting on from age 14 and pretty much like how rough her life was over like the course of the like next 30 years or so. Right. It's like 30 some years. Yeah. She um, was like getting up there in age. Yeah. And, but her, I would definitely argue that her life slowly got better mm-hmm. during that time. And there were, a lot of the female characters played a really important and impactful role into like kind of helping her grow as a woman. Mm. Um, so, so basically, yeah. So, so it's like about this woman and every day she writes letters to not every day that she writes letters, but the book takes place in over a course of a lot of letters. And she always starts her letters, dear God, um, which uh, her sister Nettie thinks that she writes to Guy because she's so like she feels so ashamed of herself as like as a human um, because of this abuse that she doesn't feel comfortable enough to talk to him, which is ugh, heartbreaking. <laughs> like, like it's like heartbreaking to read. But as like she starts losing this like idea of God being this like white man, she slowly starts like her letters change dramatically she no longer writes to god um and you can and this transformation in this like journey through um spirituality happens within these letters and within her mm-hmm. who's your favorite character oh, so hard because <laughs> i think my first reaction is to say Seely, mm-hmm. but <laughs> I actually think that Sophia might be my favorite character. Mm, yeah. Because I, you know, there's something about Suge that caused her to be very outspoken mm-hmm. and 
kind of spunky and and really take up for herself but there's something about the the nature of Sophia that seemed to not necessarily come out of such negative experiences Mm -hmm. so I think there was one part of the book where well that might not necessarily be true but Sophia was talking about how she's always she and her sisters have always been willing to fight her brothers and father Mm -hmm. and so they've all they've grown up to be women who really won't take abuse yeah and i think it was very interesting to see the fact that in a in a lot of the book seely is continually abused and kind of accepts that as a norm and so to have the sophia character come in i think adds a really really cool comparison just to see how much she's not willing to take it. Like yeah. she literally fights Harpo yeah, and then calls Celie the, out about it. And yeah. it's like, and instead of continually continuing to fight with him, she's like, you know, this is just the way I am. If you can't accept the fact that I'm not going to take commands from you, then I'm leaving. And I, I'm like, what? That's crazy. <laughs> also the fact that she like wouldn't do something. Was it? The mayor's wife, the white woman, told her to do. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, and, yeah, where she got arrested. Yeah, I'm like, thanks, Sophia. Oh, well, the the mayor's wife, Miss Millie, asked Sophia to be her maid. And, and Sophia, Sophia was like, like, no. Yeah, she was like, I ain't working for no white woman. <laughs> and then the mayor got all like, what you say, N-word? And then Sophia's all, so then Sophia knocked him on his ass. So, yeah, I think she's my favorite. Yeah, she's she's one bad bitch, man. She's real tough. Who's your fave? Uh, it's like I'm I'm tied between like Suge and Nettie. Mm. I wish there was like so much more Nettie in the book because I think mm-hmm. that like Nettie was so important for Celie's self esteem, and mm-hmm. she was like such this like this beautiful support for her, and like the purest like the purest most sisterly love that they have for each other. I just thought was beautiful and i thought that she had this really kind heart and when i when i read nettie's letters to Celie, i love the way that nettie talks about the world around her like mm-hmm. coming from rural mississippi and going to harlem and talking about all, how fancy the black people are in mm-hmm. harlem mm-hmm. and then <clears throat> going and going to london mm-hmm. and talking and like talking about how like strange people <laughs> her like but to her um Mm -hmm. coming from like rural south and not having the connectedness we have like today and then going to and then going to um west africa and like living with the olinkas um and encouraging a lot of the olinka or uh, some of the olinka girls to learn and like encouraging reading and education and so i love like she's always encouraged reading and education Mm -hmm. throughout the book and she was such a very like she's a a lighter like the book is so heavy all the time she was Mm -hmm. just kind of this really like light joyous figure throughout Mm -hmm. so i really i really appreciate that from nettie um and yeah can i say something about nettie yeah I'm conflicted about her character. Because okay. one, on the one side, I see her character as necessary. Mm-hmm. On the other side, I see her character as very dull. <laughs> because in the, 
one way she kind of serves as a vehicle from which Celie is seeing the world. So Celie's like, you know, situated in this very small town and is going through hell basically. And Nettie is traveling to all these places and writing these experiences back to her and kind of opening up her eyes in a lot of different ways, mm-hmm. even to like different interpretations of the Bible, which then caused her to think about God, not necessarily or well, Shug helps her with this as well. Mm-hmm. But I think that one of the things I don't necessarily like about Nettie's character is that she's so easy to figure out. I think from the very first page, I could have predicted the last page of Nettie's story. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a mm-hmm. lot that happens in between. Mm-hmm. Like, I wouldn't have figured she would become a missionary and go to West Africa. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that the pro- the progression of her life was never a surprise to me. It was kind of like, yeah, that just makes that makes sense for her character. Whereas, like, with Suge, with Sophia, with all the other characters, I feel like there were, like, real de- real complex developments. Where with Nettie, it was just like, hmm, yeah. I knew this was coming, but I liked her character. And I, I think you're very right about the fact that if she wasn't in it, I would have just felt like I would have been crying the yeah, whole time. Exactly. So it's, yeah. that's why I think I'm conflicted because I'm like, her character was totally necessary, but I it was think, predictable to me at the same time. I think, I think that like she plays like this perfect juxtaposition to Suge mm-hmm. who, so like Nettie is this very like holy school teacher type mm-hmm. Virgin Mary figure in the book. Mm-hmm. And Suge is often described as a nasty woman mm-hmm. um, who is just like who has who has a lot of sex and enjoys it, mm-hmm. who is bisexual, who mm-hmm. sings, doesn't care if she has a man, mm-hmm. doesn't need a husband. Um, even though she does eventually get married, but mm-hmm. it's like every she lives her life on her terms, mm-hmm. and she doesn't give a fuck whether you approve <laughs> or not. And all the dudes, like her milkshake, brings all the dudes to the yard, mm-hmm. and that's like a fact. And she's like living her life exactly how she wants to, mm-hmm. and not according to anyone's rule. And it's it's so great to see that, and so great to see how like Mister's character waits on her hand and foot, mm-hmm. where like is so different like the way he treats Seely. Mm-hmm. he treats Seely basically like he she's a slave and mm-hmm. like beats her and rapes her and it's just like ugh. okay well that's like <laughs> every i can't like talk about Seely without being sad yeah because her character is so sad mm-hmm. um but i love like i love the complex emotions and i love like this jealousy that at the very beginning where she uh, first moves in and Celie's nursing her back to health mm-hmm. and she's just mean. Like, she's mean because <laughs> she's just, like, so jealous that Celie has uh, missed her. Mm-hmm. And even though she she could have him, mm-hmm. but she's, like, but she's just, like, jealous. Um, and, like, slowly learns that, as most women learn, it's not the woman that is the enemy. <laughs> it's usually the mm-hmm. dude. Um, and she, and then when she like found out that he beats her, then, then she was like, ugh, not really going for this dude anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think I, I love this beautiful bond between the girls between like Shug and Seely. And I like, I'm like excited for Seely for her to, to actually have an orgasm for like once in her life, like in the book. Uh, and like Shug is a pretty big a part of that 
Um, and I think I and I like the exploration and discussion of like female sexuality, but it was like very subtle. It was like never explicit. It's just like it was. There was something almost like innocent um, mm. about it, where the sex with men was often just more just always seemed like more tragic like the mm-hmm. sex between women just seems like a lighter more happier like both people are probably gonna come type of situation well, it for Celie, it seems like there was never an experience when she even had the opportunity to have a sexual encounter with a man that was positive yeah like every sexual encounter with a man from a very young age was her being molested yeah so i mean when i when that is your that's your baseline <laughs> when that is yeah. your baseline it's kind of like i mean i just think that's tragic i don't yeah. want to comment on like any causation between her sexual preference and the way she was treated because i don't think you can draw those conclusions yeah, for sure um but it's just it's interesting to me that it's never it's never discussed, you know, like, oh, I'm not attracted to men mm-hmm. just because I'm not attracted to men. It seems like much more of, like, these are the experiences I've had and therefore, like, this is how I interpret men when it comes to this type of thing. Where her encounter with Suge is just very sweet and kind of, yeah, like you are saying, just a very genuine moment of, like, learning and in love and trust where whereas her experience with men are just <laughs> really terrible i mean i would definitely argue that there are like she has always been sexually attracted to suge oh yeah for sure anytime like she saw a flyer with her like mm-hmm. when she first saw her so i'm like i'm definitely going to argue that like whether whether or not Lee experienced trauma throughout her life mm-hmm. by the hands of men she would have always been attracted to women Mm. why do you think it is that it's not until we meet suge that she's attracted to a woman well the the women in her life are have like familial ties Mm. and it's like the 1930s and like the south it's definitely and you're a woman of color like no one's really no one's really talking about like i'm out and i'm proud during that time I, th- I feel like it's so com- I feel like it's so much more complex though and this is why because I feel like the way in which Seely even describes Shook sometimes is in a very masculine light mm-hmm. so it's to me it's it's so complex because oh I don't know what I'm trying to say on the one hand I'm like yeah I feel like no matter what Seely would have been sexually attracted to Shook but it's not like Celie hasn't come in contact with other mm-hmm. women, like whether it's at a market or whether it's in this place. I'm like, what about Shook specifically? Mm-hmm. Is the like the first time she's ever been sexually attracted to any human being whatsoever, or any? That's well, I guess that's actually kind of true. Yeah, <laughs> just in general. Uh, I don't know. Well, to answer your question as to like why she would probably views Shug in more masculine terms mm-hmm. is because like her entire life all the all the power dynamics have been held with men and mm-hmm. women are seen as passive. Mm-hmm. And since Shug comes in like a lightning bolt mm-hmm. and it's just like this powerful woman, she can't mm-hmm. understand or interpret like she a thinks woman that being like that way. 
if she sees a powerful woman like Sophia, mm-hmm. she thinks that that woman's like mm-hmm. a wild stallion that needs to be broken <laughs> and like needs to be tamed. And that, yeah, I think that like since that, since Shook is kind of always this wild stallion, stallion that she will always like she has to see her as masculine because she mm-hmm. can't comprehend a woman being sexual and strong and powerful and mm-hmm. doing whatever the fuck she feels. Mm-hmm. I mean, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense to me. And she, like, it's very clear that she's more than sexually attractive, like, attracted to Shug. Like, she's in love with Shug. Yeah. So it's, it's, just, it's a very interesting dynamic, I think. Mm-hmm. What are... What are other, so how do you feel, so there's been like a lot of criticism once the book came out and when the movie came out, there's a ton of criticism about how it, it on its perception of black men mm-hmm. and like it's showing a lot of the, like uh, most of the, not all of the black male characters, but like a good amount of black male characters or the major black male characters were abusive. Mm-hmm. So like Celie's quote-unquote father um and mr and old mr and harpo Mm -hmm. like all pretty shitty people Mm -hmm. um but there were some good characters like the male characters that were good i think really got overlooked is just like samuel Mm -hmm. who's like this pastor Mm -hmm. and took in these children and just kind of has this loving heart and like the prize fighter who gets with uh sophia mm-hmm. he seems i don't know he seems pretty decent and then um oh there's another oh the dude that shug marries mm-hmm. so like not though the mate yes the major male characters in the movie not in the fuck <laughs> both in both <laughs> the book and the movie are pretty terrible humans but there is not like every black male in that book was a terrible person but it's not like every black male in the whole world is a terrible person yeah. it's like i think in in my head what she's trying to focus on is the experience and growth of a black female during this very hard time of abuse and I don't think it will be the same story if so. I think what I'm trying to say is if this was a book about white women Mm -hmm. in a similar position as my great grandmother who was beaten by multiple husbands and and maybe in some ways, you know, stands the race issue could have really related to Celie's position. The the white man white men in those stories would have been painted in a very similar light. Mm-hmm. But if you're gonna choose to focus on the the stories of black women, women who are married to black men, then I think this is the way the story needed to be told. Mm-hmm. And it's to me there was there wasn't a lack of black men who were nice and kind. But I don't actually think that the story would have been done justice if if Seely's experience would have been watered down. Yeah. Because I do know, well, not personally anymore since my grandmother passed away, but I do know that there are women who experience something very similar to what this the woman in the book mm-hmm. went through. And so 
I don't see Alice Walker at all saying like, this is how black men are. Right. It's like, this is the particular experience of the woman in my story in a very particular moment in history. Mm -hmm. And this is what we learned from it. And I, and I also feel like Alice Walker was pretty generous in the way in which she changes Mr. Blank's character. Yeah. And so it wasn't even like she just paints all black men as like stagnant, terrible figures. Harpo doesn't want to beat Sophia and is made to feel like in order to be the man and for her to be the woman that he has to do this. So I think that there, there are many complex figures in the story and I, I like how it's written. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about it? I think that this is a very specific story about a specific woman and that at no point, like you said, like Alice Walker, at no point made grand generalizations about black males. Mm-hmm. It's about, it's about Celie's story. This is what Celie experienced mm-hmm. through her life. This is how her early life has shaped her and made her like submissive and how she's blossomed mm-hmm. out of like being submissive into this very like happy, bold woman. And as does in everyone's life, our experiences shape who we are. Mm-hmm. And it was crucial for this to be this narrative to be painted. Mm-hmm. And especially to like kind of like give a glimpse in or give a voice into women who experience abuse because I, mm-hmm. I just feel I don't know, I don't feel like they are often given a voice and it's great to see like Celie grow out of this and like her being able to be the woman that she wants from it, it's just kind of, it just shows that, like, anything's possible. Mm-hmm. And there is redemption at the end of the book for Mr. Mm-hmm. Who I also... Some people I, in real life don't have that redemption story, so yeah, I feel like it was very kind of Alice Walker to yeah. just be like, okay, he doesn't <laughs> stay bad forever, y'all. That's true. <laughs> But I also think that Mister is a product from of old Mister, and that Harpo is a product of Mister, mm-hmm. where it's just like they're given such limited ideas of what masculinity mm-hmm. is and what masculine can be, and it's just how sh- it's like shitty how that's a learned behavior that's been passed mm-hmm. down from generation to generation without anyone really disrupting that cycle. Mm-hmm. So I think that's also kind of showing how how family really has this hold on us and how we grow up affects who we're going to be, but doesn't, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to necessarily be the end of our story, but it's impactful. Like if you saw your, so like a lot of studies show that like people who have a, experienced abuse in their home, mm-hmm. even if they weren't abused themselves, if they witnessed abuse in their home, they're more likely to either be with a partner who is mm-hmm. also abusive or uh, become an abuser. Mm-hmm. And that's just because it's a learn, like it's a learned behavior and something that you experience within your household growing up. So mm-hmm. you think it's normal mm-hmm. and that is your norm. So mm-hmm. I, I think like that's maybe, I don't think that Alice Walker um said I don't think I don't think that like I think that Alex Walker wrote this very much in a way mm-hmm. to give light to abuse victims show that there can be in like there can be the light at the end of the tunnel and to show that it's not like we're not naturally born abusers it's like we learn that in our homes well also 
just because you're a part of a minority group that has been oppressed yeah. <laughs> does not mean that you can't tell the truth of people's stories. Right. Like, if you are a black woman in an abusive relationship with a black man, it, t- at least in my opinion, you should not feel fear to call out how this person is abusing you because of fear of painting the black man in a certain way. So I'm like, I don't know how I feel about that. Because to me, it's more of about how, you know, I get that women also abuse other women, women also abuse men. But we're talking in in this book about men being abusive of women. And I think throughout history, we have seen this pattern of men being extremely violent to women and being told that that's completely okay. Mm -hmm. And to me, this was just a story of like the millionth time I've heard of this, yeah. this, this similar thing. Yeah. So the, I, I will say the, the male on female abuse to me, there was nothing new to that. Yeah. And Very true. just because it's based within a minority group, I don't think that means that she's trying to attack particular people within the group. I right. think she's just trying to tell a story and right. it's in her particular, particular racial group. Yeah. yeah. I had a lot to say about that. I didn't realize I did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I mean, let's like start wrapping this up. This book is deep. We didn't even cover. There's so many things. So many things. There, like we honestly, our book club talked about this book for three hours or so, Mm -hmm. Um, and it's we could have gone for much longer too. Yeah, all we're recommending that you read it. It is very impactful. My all-time favorite book if you've already read it reread it catch the new things and yeah did you know that this book is uh on the top five list of most reread books oh really yeah i can see this as being a book i would reread i'm not a book rereader (laughs) but i think i would reread this book (laughs) if told to yeah uh yeah is there anything else you want to cover about the book before we move on Nah. Okay. So now it's time for the final installment of Black Women's History Month. And if you guys have been enjoying Black Women's History Month, we may occasionally hit you up with some more black women throughout the year. There ain't that many more. There are <laughs> See, I did that so you can say, yes, there are. There's there's just there's black women for the ages. So many. So, I mean, because we're out here killing the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's actually, the more that I think about it, we could probably do, like, a black woman every week this year. But that that's, honestly takes a lot of research, and mm-hmm. I'm a little lazy. So, <laughs> <laughs> truth bomb. <laughs> so, our final woman is in line with our theme. It'll, we're going to talk about Alice Walker. So, fun facts about Alice Walker uh, she was born to. Um, she was born the eighth child of, of from a family of sharecroppers in uh, Georgia. Ooh, where she um, she eventually went to Spelman and then uh, got her BA at Sarah Lawrence. So after that, she began writing, um, and she's she is an author. She writes poetry, short stories, essays. And some, and probably the best book that 
is Beth's book in history, which is the color purple. Um, <laughs> and then the color purple also has um, a, com- a companion set. So it's like three books. Mm. And that's the three books are The Temple of My Familiar and um, The Possessions of Joy or the... I think that's what it's called. So definitely check those out if you really are really. Are they written purple. like letters too? No, they're not. They're written like stories, or at least the Temple of My Familiar is. But it's, it's like an extension of the characters. Oh, interesting. So it's like their family members, and then like what are they up to now? And like characters and in, in the show are in the book. Mm. Um, so you were really on this TV kick. <laughs> in the movie, I mean book. On TV, I mean the book. <laughs> Uh, so she, um, so when it was back when it was illegal to marry white people, <laughs> uh, well, no, like right after the, which wasn't <laughs> very long ago, which wasn't was a good fifty years ago. I could, I, my marriage would be illegal. My birth would be illegal. Yeah, you're. <laughs> you would not be allowed, mm-hmm. uh, even though there were plenty biracial children. Mm-hmm. Just. A.K.A. the mulattoes. Yeah. <laughs> um, she married a Jewish lawyer, and Ooh. they became the first interracial couple to marry in the state of Mississippi. Dope. M-I-S-S-I-S-S. Okay. So both before and after her marriage, she was really heavily involved in civil rights and voter registration. And after college, moved back down to the South so that she could be a really, so that she could participate in the civil rights movement and get her voice heard. So so she continued to write. She won a Pulitzer Prize. She continued to live as a bad bitch. Fun fact she had a relationship with Tracy Chapman. The Shut singer. up. Right? I was like, yes. Revolution. That yeah. one? <laughs> Tracy Chapman, who sings like Fast Cars. Which yes. Like Shut yeah. up. So they had they had a romance. How long? I, it was like for, I think it was like for a couple of years. This is but way yeah. juicier to me <laughs> than the whole Beyonce Jay-Z thing. <laughs> They so they had like this beautiful romance that she described as delicious. Oh my god! Right? So I was like, I was like really excited about it. I was like, yes, Alice Walker, you go. You're marrying white men, being queer, sister in civil rights. Oh my god! You're you are speaking to every ounce of my heart. Um, (laughs) So yeah, so she. Lived a dope life, continues to live a dope life, and Alice Walker, thanks for this amazing book, and yes. thanks for being the awesome black woman that you are. Let's listen to Tracy Chapman after this in celebration. I'm so done. I'm, I'm not done. I'm so down. <laughs> <laughs> I always miss those two words up. Anyway, um, thank you guys so much for listening, and we hope that you read the book and that you enjoyed our podcast. Um, you can check us out on iTunes and Stitcher at Unlearn. You can tweet, tweet us at unlearn underscore shy. Hit us up on Facebook at unlearned. Um, and check out our website, unlearnedpodcast.com. If you have questions, got comments, you got opinions about this book, email it to us, unlearnedpodcast at gmail.com. And we'll get back to you. Yeah. So have a great day and good talking to you guys. Bye, Bye y'all.